Like, why not just call him ass fucker? Like, well, yeah. Like, uh, how, how far do you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. Booger. Come yeah. on. Like, this uh, is I mean, disgusting. dripping dick McFarlane. <laughs> There's the open. <laughs> Week number six in the National Football League obviously has already started with the dismantling of the New York Giants on Thursday night in Boston, compliments of the homestanding New England Patriots. But as we welcome you to this, what number is this? (laughs) 404. Thank you, sir. As we welcome you to this 404th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Uh, Mike and Chris with you, obviously. We're going to get into the games of Sunday and Monday night and uh, bye weeks this week. Buffalo, Chicago, Indianapolis, and Oakland are off. So we'll start, obviously, on Thursday night. Both Chris and I made it publicly known, obviously. It wasn't, didn't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this one out. We both had New England plus or minus, excuse me, the 17 points that they were giving. They won that game easily, so we both had New England, so we both start the week out as 1-0. and uh, We'll start the Sunday slate of games at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. The homestanding Bucks playing host to the Carolina Panthers. No, actually, that my game's in London. Oh, okay. It's one of those. So last week they had the London game, and they started at uh, 11 a.m. Oh, okay. Mountain time. This yeah. this week, though, they're doing one of those stupid 7.30 a.m. ones. Oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't think there should be any games in London. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Jane Goodell's husband. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I know. I, I think the players have voiced their opinion. I think it's stupid. I think that, you know, but no one has asked Chris or I what we think. But anyway, so this game being played somewhere in London, don't give a damn. Carolina at Tampa Bay, but technically it would be a Tampa Bay home game. Yes. They're giving up the home game. Carolina comes in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Like Kyle Allen, yada, yada, yada. Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. Uh, After the 0-2 start, I like what Carolina has done. And two of those last three wins have been on the road. Uh, I'm taking the Panthers both straight up and against the spread. Me too, and I mentioned that 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time start because... Uh, I love Christian McCaffrey, and I want, I will actually consider getting up early and watching just to see him. But other than that, I mean, these London games are absolutely ridiculous. And why are they able to magically shoehorn it into the normal time slot last week, and this week they have to make it early? Like, people on the Pacific, in the Pacific time zone, on the West Coast, their game starts at 6.30 a.m. And it's so weird because for people out East, uh, they're used to the first wave of games starting at 1 p.m. I have a, I have a solution to that. You know why? This is why. This is my feeling. Last week, it was the Bears in Oakland, right? Yeah. Oakland's a West Coast team. Mm-hmm. You have to have at least you have to at least have the West Coast guys have a chance to see their team. That's there you go. Brilliant. Thank you. You're not just a hat rack. <laughs> go Yankees. Go Yankees. Yeah, but uh, look, it's but and, and that's a great point, and I didn't think of that, and I love that. But why not just make them all? In oh, the, I, in the normal. But again, why do we even? Because they're trying to make the NFL a worldwide game. I get that, and but I mean, put a team in Mexico City, put a team in Toronto. You can claim it international, and they don't have to sit on an airplane for how many hours and and all the transition. And then I don't think a lot of people realize this. 
is that the tradition or the tradition? There is no fucking tradition. When the transition of coming back to the states, that takes a while too. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I know that they all have a bye week. Like next week, Carolina and Tampa will be in bye probably. Oh, I think last year Indy was the first team to ever not get a bye after last. Really? Year. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to go to the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, at the very least, the next week you should have a bye. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous this year. I know we're getting off topic, and I told you I wanted to make this quick, but I have to make this point. I think it's ridiculous this year as a CFL schedule. Our local losers have had three bye weeks this year. <laughs> and that's a problem when you have only nine teams in the league. Well, an odd number. And an 18 and an eighteen game schedule. I get that, but three three bye weeks? It'll be fixed when we get the Atlantic team. So then at least then there's 10. You don't have to. You're not have forced bye week all the right. time. Um, okay, so we've established we don't like London. Yeah, and Carolina we both, both like ways. Carolina both ways. Okay, um, and I've heard the food in London sucks. I've been to London, but only in a brief stopover to get over to Ramstein Air Base in Germany, and that's for another day. Um, Seattle to Cleveland is where we're going next. I'm already tired of the soap opera known as the Cleveland as the Cleveland Browns this year. It's been ridiculous. I don't give a damn. One more word that comes out of OBJ's mouth. Uh, I think finally somebody has listened to us in regard to Baker Mayfield is not everything that everybody thought he was. Cleveland's defense is still okay, but it's not as outstanding as everybody thought it was. And this is why as Seattle comes in, as I have as one and a half point favorites, I'm taking Russell Wilson and the Russell Wilson, not a huge fan, even though he played at the University of Wisconsin. So he gets some props from me there. Regardless of how you feel about the Munchkin, I do feel right now, if you were to have a vote for the MVP, he would be in the top two. Yeah, of course. He has been playing spectacularly. And what he did last Thursday night to the LA Rams was inspiring. If you have, you know, if you have to play the Los Angeles Rams, you'd better see if you can get Russell Wilson to play for you. Seattle, again, one and a half point favorites. Uh, I have the Seahawks both ways because I can't trust the Browns. And uh, I totally agree with you. I'm sick of them too. And neither of these teams is trustworthy, but uh, Seattle at least has Russell Wilson to pull it out. I will. I do want to say there was a guy online who said that he's 5-0 and betting on Browns games this year with the spread because all he does is he looks at if they're playing a team with a good pass rush. Oh. And if they are, he bets against them because they're... Their O-line sucks, and if the other team doesn't have a good pass rush, then he bets on them, and he's 5-0 and doing that this year. Yeah. Seattle's tough to say if they have a good pass rush because they have Jadavian Clowney and nothing else. So do they have a good pass rush? I don't know. Uh, but I want to give props to myself because I took Russell Wilson in pretty much all my fantasy teams this year, and I got him late. Like, in my one league that really matters to me, I got him at the end of the 12th round of a 12-team league. I got him about 141st overall. He's the number four player in fantasy, number one quarterback, only behind the three running backs. Is, is, let me ask you a question then about that, because yeah. I'm trying to learn more yeah. about yeah. fantasy. If, if you got a guy the caliber of Russell Wilson in the last round of your fantasy draft, is a lot of that because there was so much uncertainty about some of his offensive weapons with Seattle this year that he wouldn't be able to produce the numbers that he has produced so far through the first quarter of the season? Probably. I actually don't have the answer. I, th- that's the whole thing is I was wondering the same thing you are when the drafts were happening because last year Russell Wilson was ranked about 40th overall right and then this year nothing changed to me or not much maybe Doug Baldwin retired and all of a sudden he's 80th 90th 100th and then I got him as an extra steal at about 141st 
Like, so why would you get a guy a hundred spots later in the draft than last year when nothing much has changed? I was on the same, I was the same thing as you. I was like, this guy is still amazing. And uh, it really does translate. What do you think about trying to uh, work towards getting you into a fantasy league next year? It could be free. It could be just like... I, 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 it, I don't care about the money. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm trying. I really am. I think, you, I, I think you'd enjoy it. It would give I, you a little I, extra to get into besides the Packers. I'm trying, but again, I, I just... The game... you got to remember something here, and I think this shows the difference in, in our ages a little bit. Certainly not in our intellect. You're a lot smarter than I am. But I grew up watching old... You know, go back to Big Ten football when I was growing up in the seventies and they always said it was three yards in a cloud of dust. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always remember Woody Hayes at the Ohio, the legendary Ohio state coach always saying that, um, uh, three things happen when you pass the football and two of them are bad. <laughs> um, you know, cause it was run oriented, run oriented, mm-hmm. run oriented. And you threw on third down when you had to. Yeah. First down run, second down run, and you everybody ran out of an eye formation with a huge fullback in front. Yeah. So it, the game has changed so much for me. I'm still getting used to uh, fullback less teams. I'm still getting used to the H-back. I'm still getting used to seeing multiple wide receivers on the field. I, we, never had, we never had a slot receiver back in the day. Back in the day, you had two wide receivers, you had a traditional tight end, and you had a full house backfield. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on it. I, I think that the game of football for me has changed so fast, and a lot of it has to do with fantasy football because it's driven by offense, it's driven by the numbers. As you know, And, um, and when we get into later shows this week, I've got a discussion about the officiating. <laughs> well. And, and I'm, not, I'm not portraying that on on fantasy football. What I'm just saying is the game has changed so much for me over the years. And when you live with a football coach, you look at it differently than a guy that, you know, doesn't have a football father sitting in the house. So we can talk about it. I'm getting closer to doing it. I think I almost did come to the, when, when uh, Ryan was here, I, I almost did decide to do that, but I am very prideful and I do not want to end up last in a fantasy football league because I think with my background and my intellect, I should be able to, A, know what I'm doing and be able to lie, cheat, and steal and cover up the things that I don't know. So there's some issues there. Well, I think <laughs> Deep-seated I, I, issues. I can see that, but that's okay. Look, the thing is, you have so much more experience, especially with the American game, than I do. I didn't even know really much of anything about the NFL until I was in my 20s. Right. Right? And then you would be much better than me at analyzing, you know, a nickel defense or just talking about actually having played the game, which I never really did at any level, uh, or just just analyzing it, living with a coach, like you said, your dad, and, and all this. And you were a quarterback of yep. all things, right? Yep. So, I mean, yep. you would know mo- anything that I know about analyzing the NFL – I have learned just through a ton of reading, right? Like, and, well, for sure, and watching games and yeah. and fantasy football to a degree as well. Yeah. That has actually helped me a lot too. So, uh, I've I've really had to learn later in life and and do it the long way and the old fashioned way and really devote a lot of time to it. And of course, the podcast here uh, also motivates me to make sure I'm up on it for sure. But I think you would have a great base of knowledge, and uh, you would just uh, learn. You would quickly learn 
some of the guys that you don't pay as much attention to, you would just pay a little more attention to them. Maybe you'd be a little more interested in some of the games besides Packers games. Because right now, are you like how excited are you to watch just a random NFL game that doesn't involve the Packers or even the NFC North or anything? How much does that interest you to sit down and just watch a random NFL game? Great question. None. None. Okay. Um, I, 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 I um, you're, that's a great question. Um, I really don't even watch the NFC North that much. I watch the LA Rams because of, of pretty much because of Greg. I watch, uh, obviously the Packers. I watch, uh, I've been watching Buffalo a lot. I've been watching teams that have been suffering for years and they're finally making some inroads. Um, but that's, that's a great point and, uh, all, all things to think about and, and uh, what I would what I would say on air right now is that I will consult with you and Greg and Ryan before next season, and we'll probably try to plot something out. Well, because you know the thing about Ryan, Ryan doesn't doesn't know much about the NFL except what he's heard from Unscripted, yeah. and I encouraged him, and he joined that league while he was here. And Ryan has never played fantasy football before, and he barely knew what he was doing, and he is now first place in our league, and he's 5-0. and oh. Show off. Mm. Yeah, what an asshole. Congratulations. You'll never make an appearance on Unscripted again. <laughs> you can't upstage the host, little man. Um, let's continue on with our week six NFL picks. Um, yeah, well, I got to say this. One day after looking like a legitimate, at least a playoff contender, when the LA Kings were here, on Thursday, was mm-hmm. it against whenever the hell it was when the Kachuk and the and Doughty. the Doughty battle and Doughty scores the overtime winner on a beautiful goal and yada yada yada. But Kachuk had two, and uh, but then the next night they go to Vancouver and get beat eight to nothing or eight to two. Mm-hmm. So and poor uh, Jonathan Quick left in for oh, eight. Oh, I know. Can't believe he didn't pull oh, up Patrick Waugh. Oh, I know. Okay, um, back to NFL. Um, Houston and Kansas City is where going where we're going next. Kansas City's the home team. Kansas City comes in as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Houston is one of the great anom- an- anomalies of this season. I can't figure them out. One week, they look like a legitimate contender in the AFC, and then I pick them, and then they look like dog shit. Um, I can't figure it out. They're on the road. I am. I will watch this game because I'm very excited to see Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. The two quarterbacks that should have been taken way before Mitchell Trubisky in the 2017 draft. Sorry, Ryan Pace, you're a moron. Um, I know looking at your picks that you have a different feel on this game than I do, but Kansas City the last couple weeks has lost a game and escaped from losing another one. There's something not quite right, but over the course of a 16-game schedule, you're going to have some peaks and valleys. And uh, I think the Chiefs are looking forward to seeing the Packers in a couple of weeks. I really do. That's going to be a great one. Um, I ultimately think, though, that the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are better personnel-wise. They're better, obviously, coached-wise. Andy Reid versus Butchin. Um, you can double-team J.J. Uh, Watt all day. Uh, I have, for all these reasons, I have Kansas City both ways in this football game. You say you can't figure out the Houston Texans. Right. I can absolutely 100% figure them out. They're a great team with a terrible coach. 
I knew that. I, I, but I mean, I mean, and we make fun of Butchin, but I mean, I'm dead serious. This is the exact byproduct that happens when you have a very good football team with a terrible coach. You right. get inconsistency. That's exactly what happens. And sometimes they play up to their potential and even he can't screw it up. And sometimes he does screw it up. Sometimes you have DeAndre Hopkins throwing an interception for some reason. Like it just, yeah. I don't know what he's doing half the time. Sometimes you have a guy acquiring Carlos Hyde as a running back. Like, why not? I mean, just do whatever. Just pull all your decisions out of a hat, asshole. I mean, right. Seriously, it's ridiculous. I'm going to take Houston both ways because they're picking up speed. They're getting some momentum. And Kansas City's very banged up. Patrick Mahomes isn't 100% with his ankle. Chris Jones is going to miss this game. Tyreek Hill may or may not come back. A lot of guys are hurt. They're very, very injured in Kansas City right now. And I could see this not going that well for them. So I'm going to take a chance and take Houston both ways. Okay. Um, I guess they can't cancel this game. I would like to see them try. Obviously, after that little sentence or half sentence, you've figured out already that this is the Washington and Miami game being played in uh, South Florida on Sunday morning. Um, this is the ultimate loser bowl, guys. Both 0-5 clubs. Both have no direction. Um, one has a new coach. The other one is looking for a new coach. They've got an interim coach, Bill Callahan, in Washington. The Redskins, by default, come in as three-and-a-half-point favorites in this football game. Uh, Callahan made note this week that Case Keenum will be his starter with Dwayne Haskins as the backup and Colt McCoy goes from number one to number three in the quarterback room of the Redskins. It really doesn't matter. They also, Brian Flores made an announcement this week, the coach of the Dolphins, that Chris's favorite whipping boy, Josh Rosen, will be the starting quarterback throughout the remainder of the season for the Miami Dolphins. Who the hell cares? They just get to 0-16 quicker. That's all it is. Uh, I would like to see somebody, <clears throat> this is another shot for the Green Bay Packers, I would like to see the Packers throw a seventh-round draft pick to um, Miami and get Fitzpatrick. I think that would be a great move for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is actually on the injured list this week with a knee, and we know what happens to the Packers when they lose Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Tim Boyle is your backup. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be a better backup in this case for the Packers, especially if the Packers are going on to a season that we all hope that they're going on uh, to have here. But I know I'm getting long-winded. There's nothing to analyze in this game. This is the loser bowl. This is the pick for, this is the battle for the first pick in next April's draft. Um, three and a half is the spread. I have the Redskins by default because Miami just sucks worse than they do. Yeah, I really thought about taking the Dolphins here because they've had two weeks to prepare for this game, and you would think that they would not going to go. They would not want to go zero and sixteen. They'd want to go one and fifteen. <laughs> you, you don't want to be an zero and sixteen. I know it's not. I didn't mean it to sound like that, but it's just, <laughs> like how low is the bar, hey? But. That was my thought, but I thought, okay, well, but this one game, they're playing a terrible 1-5 team that just fired its head, its head coach. They're totally rudderless. It's in Miami. They can make the Redskins wear those dark jerseys, and Miami wears the white jerseys, and they have two weeks to just focus on that game, try to pull out that game, and then the rest of the year, just whatever, tank, and doesn't matter. But then I thought, you know what, they're just not good enough, and I still don't know if they're even going to try, and they just have no NFL talent, basically. And I saw something on Twitter. I couldn't find it just now, but... They apparently the last few years they've been not like power rankings in terms of making lists, but they they have this formula for how important a game is, mm -hmm. kind of from zero to a hundred with decimals. Yeah. This is the first game they've ever measured that is zero point zero in importance. 
Remember how you were telling me a couple weeks ago when the Dolphins were playing Patriots? The Dolphins the were Pinna- playing... Uh, no, but Pinnacle took it off its line, Oh, right? yeah, that yeah, yeah. That game because they they, they couldn't set a yeah, spread. It yeah, was yeah. so uneven and yeah. one team's so good, the other team sucks so bad. Could there be a president sitting here to take this one off the board too just because of lack of interest? I mean, the, the people may not remember this or don't really care, but this was a matchup of Super Bowl seven. Dolphins Redskins that the Dolphins won to complete their perfect season uh, in 1972. They won 14 to seven. Um, but this game, you know, nobody's going to be in the stands. I mean, at least when New England's there or Philly's there or a Green Bay's there or a, a, a team that travels well, Pittsburgh, there's going to be some fannies in the stands just for the other team. But here, the Redskins don't have that devoted seemingly don't have that devoted they fan don't base. They don't travel well. They don't travel well, for sure. And I, they don't give them any reason to travel well. This game may be, this may break an attendance record in the wrong way for in National League his, National Football League history this weekend in South Florida. I would, I'm going to go the other way from you there. I'm going to say that the books in Vegas are going to love this game. Really? Because... Uh, yeah, the last thing want to do they want to do is take this off the board because one of the most highly bet sides this week in Vegas is Miami plus three and a half. Wow! Now because they think this could be the one. This week. is the one, yeah. and everyone wants to think they were brilliant and whatever. And Washington's so bad, so that's it, it's unbelievable. But that is a side, wow. and you can make money betting in Vegas if all you do is bet against the public. Yeah, because for sure. mathematically yeah. you should make money that way. But uh, in this case, the public is, uh, you know, or, or and the, in this case, the public is proving why they're wrong and they're going hard on Miami plus three and a half. And really, since the Redskins, even though they aren't very good, are a real NFL team and the interim head co-ish. And the in- <laughs> okay, the, Adrian Peterson has more talent than that whole other team combined. And the head coach, the interim head coach of Washington is saying Adrian Peterson has not got the, gotten the ball enough this year. Mm, it's yeah, first smart thing from the coach's locker room in Washington all year. Yeah, and so he said uh, there will be no shortage of opportunities for Adrian Peterson this Sunday. And I could see Washington just waltzing to victory in this one, to be honest with you. And, uh, and then I think the books are really going to like this game. You know, Bill Callahan has a tie to Wisconsin. You know that. Oh, so he was the offensive. He was the offensive line coach when Barry Alvarez took over in the early 1990s in Madison. Um, let's go to the next one. This is an intriguing game. It could be one of the better games of the weekend, in my opinion. Philadelphia Eagles at Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I have, of course, picked the the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, s- still staying with it. When they get healthy, they're going to be dynamite. Um, Minnesota, very good on at home. Very average or worse on the road. The Vikings are three-point favorites at U.S. Bank on Sunday, and I think this is going to be a close one. There's already been some smack being talked about in regard to Eagles linebacker Zach Brown about his former teammate Kirk Cousins, and we'll talk about that in later episodes this week of Unscripted. There's a little bad blood there between former Redskins teammates, Uh, but I'm taking the Vikings straight up, and I think the Eagles, I'm taking them against the spread. I like a lot of underdogs this week, but this is not one of those games. I actually like Minnesota both ways here. I think that Minnesota is a different team at home. They are really, really good at home. Dalvin Cook is playing out of his mind. And the thing is here, Philly has no secondary at this point. And so 
Kirk Cousins sucks against good teams, but he does really well against bad teams. And it's not that Philly is a bad team, but they do have a terrible secondary, at least right now, with injuries and whatever else. So I think Kirk Cousins will have a good game. I expect good games from Thielen, Diggs, and Cook in this game, to be honest with you. And Carson Wentz has looked quite shaky this year. They even have injuries on offense. And Minnesota's defense, especially at home, is Carson excellent. Carson Wentz looked pretty good a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night in Green Bay. Well, he looked bad losing to the Falcons, who should be 0-5 right I now, know. too. I know. Right? So I, know. I, like, uh, I like Minnesota both ways here. I really do. Let's go to uh, Jacksonville, uh, home of the porn star. I love that. This guy. This <laughs> this uh, What's his name? Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. The second. God. I love this. Yeah, the second. The guy. Uh, New Orleans is in town. Teddy Bridgewater doing a very nice job. Looks like Drew Brees is going to be back earlier than uh, he was projected to be, which is good for the Saints, which is good for the league, and it's good for me. I can't wait to watch. I love to watch Drew Brees play football. Too bad I can't speak. Um, Jacksonville, homestanding Jaguars. They should be going to London here pretty soon. Um, They come in as one-point favorites. I have the Saints straight up and the Saints against the spread. The Saints are on a roll. They're, they've rallied around Breeze's injury. They've rallied around Teddy Bridgewater. And people may not want to recognize this, but people that know the game of football do know that the New Orleans Saints now also uh, can play a little defense. Yeah, it's nice to see Teddy Bridgewater, great comeback story, and the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL at seven and a quarter per year. It's nice to see him earn it with a three and and0 starting record here this year. Love the Saints, they're a complete team. Marshawn Lattimore yeah, might be the best corner in yep. the game right now. He held Mike Evans to zero fantasy points the other day. And then who did he lock down the other week too? I mean, he's he's taking on the best receivers in the league and absolutely erasing them from the game. I think Stefan Gilmore of the Patriots is the only corner who's even close to him at this point. And uh, I, that's not good against a rookie quarterback, even though Minshew has done great. Uh, I like New Orleans as a complete team. I worry a bit about them wearing their black jerseys in Jacksonville. But uh, other than that, uh, I have to go with them. They're just rolling. Love them. What a What a great team. What great fans. Love to see it. So, yeah, go Saints. We're going next to uh, Baltimore, uh, AFC North Division battle. Well, not really a battle because Cincinnati's in the game. Um, We've got to have a show sometime soon. I've been thinking about this, about the most inept, most worthless, most just, just terrible overall sports franchises. And at top of the list would have to be the Cincinnati Bengals top of the top five for sure. Um, they've just, they're inadequate in every way. Uh, they made five playoff appearances in a row at the end of Marvin Lewis's, uh, tenure as the coach in Cincinnati. And yet, and four of those first round games were played in Cincinnati and they lost all five. Um, I just, there are some very good sports fans. We talk about good sports cities, Cincinnati pokes, you may not know a lot about them because, you know, the Bengals have been putrid and they don't have a basketball team anymore. Um, they still have the Reds, but the Reds have been dog shit for years. Um, but that Cincinnati, surprisingly, I've had, I know some people from Cincinnati that uh, it can be a very good sports town. They've just had nothing to cheer about. And the beat continues on. They are in Baltimore this week. Uh, the Ravens are 11-point favorites. Not a big fan of the Ravens. Don't like Lash- uh, the quarterback uh, from Louisville. Um, not a big Harbaugh, the older brother fan. But in this case, they're playing Cincinnati, which 
I thought I saw the most pathetic effort a couple weeks ago on Monday night between the Steelers and the Bengals, and I see a lot of the same thing this week. Uh, Again, the number is minus 11, and I have the Ravens both ways. Well, I've never had a problem with John Harbaugh. I really like John Harbaugh. He seems like a nice guy. He's a Harbaugh. I mean, yeah, but seriously I, no I, I get it and and you're right but you you may know some people who don't feel that they should be judged based on who they're related to yeah so in fairness there we can't blame him for khaki boy or whatever <laughs> i mean seriously and uh yeah i mean you're right about the Bengals, and we've i think some people have forgotten about the bungles because they've been so uh you know decent for quite a while the last few years they had the five in a row it's it's been a while and plus they've been in the same division as the browns who mm-hmm. have been really uh, worse than the Bungles ever were for a couple years there. So because of that, it's been easy to forget about what a terrible franchise they've been. I feel bad for them because they really should have beaten the Seahawks on the road. They had a great effort, and it would have been nice to at least give them that win, and they deserved it, and I feel bad they didn't get it. I'm going to take Baltimore outright here, but I I am going to take Cincy plus the spread because 11 points is way too high here. Baltimore is not a good team. Baltimore... Uh, might be the most overrated team in the in the history of the league, according to our friend Walter that uh, put us on the site right. the other day. Right. Because they have that outlier, 59-10 in week one, so everyone thinks of that. But that was against, as we've seen, the worst team in NFL history that's not even trying. And ever since then, Baltimore has failed to cover every single spread the rest of the year. They have not covered a spread other than that game. And I just think it's too much. And I think these teams are somewhat evenly matched. And the... Uh, Baltimore Ravens are somewhat banged up. Actually, if Cincy might even be worse in that regard, but still, uh, I just, I, I just, it's too many points. I just don't think they'll cover that many unless it turns into a week one type thing where it's just a complete obliteration. The other team's not even trying at all. Uh, I think Cincy hangs out within the points here and, and they're going to be desperate for a win. This team uh, seems like they play harder than some of the worst teams in the league like Miami. And uh, I, I think they're going to stay within the points. You know, I just had a premonition come to my head. The Miami-Washington game might end up in a 3-3 tie. That's how ugly that game could get. That could be a 3-3 tie. They play five quarters for a 3-3 tie. Uh, Case Keenum is going to start the game, which is better than Colt McCoy. Um they got McLaurin I, I, and I, I don't know. Peterson. I, just, I don't know. I, I think they. Can I do just it. have never seen. You know, there is such division among the the haves and the have-nots this year in the NFL. You've got your teams that have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations, and then you got teams on the other end of the spectrum, like Cincinnati, Miami, and Washington, that all they're interested in is April of 2020. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're looking forward to. Next game on the docket for me used to be one of the best games in the National Football League. Back in the day when the 49ers and the Rams, the first round before the Rams moved to St. Louis, the Rams, the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, I'm telling you folks, was one of the best rivalries in the National Football League. You've heard us talk about the Bears-Packers. You've heard us talk about uh, uh, the, the Patriots and whomever. And you talk about Dallas and Washington. And you talk about Kansas City and Denver and Oakland and Folks, I'm telling you, except for the 13 or 15 years, whatever, how long the Rams were in St. Louis. When the Rams were in Los Angeles for the 51 years before they moved to St. Louis, one of the best rivalries in the NFL was the 49ers and the Rams. And I am so excited to see this football game this week for two reasons. A, the Rams have been 
Not Rams-like the last couple of weeks. And the 49ers, they played last... Now, they're playing Cleveland. I get that. But the 49ers played as, as a complete football game as I've seen the 49ers play since going back to when Coach Walsh was on the sidelines of the 49ers. And that means Joe Montana. That means Jerry Rice. That means that offense, awesome offensive line. It means Ronnie Lott. It means an unbelievable team that won all those Super Bowl championships back into the late 80s, into the early 90s. I see a lot of similarities now. You've got two good football teams, two good defenses, two good marquee franchises. Um, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten over the five interceptions the first day of, of training camp or whatever the hell it was, and everybody was saying, oh, my God, you know, uh, Belichick screwed them over too. Um, San Francisco's a real deal, folks. That defense is unpenetrable in, in, in some, some cases. That front four of the 49ers with Bosa and Buckner and a couple other guys, that is freaking awesome. That offense or that defense for the 49ers. Um, this is going to be a hell of a football game. The Rams are three point favorites because they're playing in the Coliseum. And I think the 49ers come in here and sent a tone. They're going to send a message to their former Southland buddies that were here for the long haul. And I have the Niners both ways in this football game. It's my upset of the week. I have them both ways too. They're not my upset of the week, but I've gone back and forth on this game. And then this morning again, I saw a very compelling uh, argument for the Rams. Sean McVay, you know how teams get extra time to prepare here. And San Fran, actually San Fran, this is a short week for them, right? They're coming off a Monday night game, so it's only six days. The Rams are coming off a Thursday game, so it's 10 days. Uh, Sean McVay with extra time to prepare is 10-0. and Right. Right. And, and I and I think he's the best coach in the league. So and then you've got Wade Phillips who's a great coach too. So boy, that's scary. And they're at home. Now, Todd Gurley is doubtful. I've, I think he's done. I mean for this week. I don't think he's gonna play. No, yeah, he's not I, he might even be officially out now, but he's at the very right. at, at most he's doubtful. Right. Sounds like he's out, but uh no, they're gonna have Malcolm Brown start, but uh Aqib Talib is out, not that Correct. even though he's looked like an old man this year. He sure is. Yeah, but um Boy, this is a tough game. I'm going to go with the Niners here because I do think that they're, if anything, underrated. Everyone's like, oh, they're just lucky and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, they're a really good team. They are missing their tackles this week, which yeah, is dangerous. Like McGlinchey's out and he's That's a big a deal. Point. No question. And uh, also their offense goes through their fullback. Use check. And, you know, it's interesting. You talk about how you used to be into the old school of football, and that's what you really came up with, and every team had a fullback and everything, and now hardly any team does. But you look at the teams that have a fullback, like uh, New England, San Francisco, uh, New Orleans usually has one. Los Angeles Rams employ a fullback. Be, and and, and I'm, what my point is, car- carrying on to you from your point, Shanahan, McVeigh. Uh, uh, Lafleur and Green Bay—they all employ a fullback, and those those teams that we've just mentioned, minus Vic Fangio in Denver, uh, all of those teams we've just mentioned are off to very good starts this year. Yeah, I know. And with the Niners, you really saw the difference when Uzcheck went out. You yeah. really saw the difference. And uh, I, I'm actually surprised more teams don't use a fullback. It was pretty funny because was it Uzcheck? It was some fullback out there. It might have been Uzcheck. Uh, had gone somewhere and seen. 
uh, someone had a hat like a Donald Trump Make America Great Again hat, but it was Make Fullbacks Great Again. Oh. <laughs> and so he's like, I need that hat. And so he got the hat. And so, I mean, it makes sense. Make Fullbacks Great Again. Like, yeah, absolutely. It seems like a, a position that uh, has a lot of utility if you know how to use it. And it's it's uh, kind of a shame we've gotten away from that. Um, Let's see where we're going next. Um, Oh, this is... This the could, desert. Yeah, this could be ugly. Um, Atlanta at Arizona. Cardinals... Uh, Atlanta is two and a half point favorites. I can't get a read on Atlanta. I do know this. I said this last week, and I'm going to stay steadfast in this. I believe in my heart of hearts, especially when an owner comes out and says, I have your back. That's the kiss of death. <laughs> when Arthur Blank came out a couple of weeks ago and says, I have confidence in Gus Bradley and his staff, that is the kiss of death. I think Atlanta obviously has underachieved this year. They had much higher aspirations for this season. I don't think they're going to reach those expectations. I think Gus Bradley might not make it through the season. Um, I have the in this game. I have the Falcons straight up, but I have the Cardinals uh, against the spread for the simple fact that I just don't know any better. I just I don't have a good feel on either team. And I think right now, funny as this may sound, when you've got Matt Ryan against Kyler Murray, the better quarterback right now may be quarterbacking the Arizona Cardinals. And that's really something I didn't think I'd see or hear come out of my mouth, especially when you're talking about quote-unquote Matty Ice. But something's not right there. The ice is kind of melting or something. And there's a plethora of problems in Atlanta um thank god for them they're playing arizona this week maybe they can get it corrected i don't know but i've got again the falcons straight up and the cardinals against the spread i'm taking the arizona cardinals both ways in this game because i think i do have the atlanta falcons figured out and it's simple they suck <laughs> and it's amazing it's because something about this team it's hard to picture them truly being terrible i know because I know. of their big stars you've got julio jones and matt yeah, Matty Ice. Matty yeah, Ice. Matt Ryan. You've got Devontae Freeman. Actually, even if you study the defense, you know they have some great guys there. Like Grady Jarrett is a stud, and they've got some good guys. I, but, I mean, Keanu Neal got hurt for the season for the second year in a row. And it's just hard to picture this team being absolutely terrible. But they have no O-line, and they have no run defense, and they can't cover people, and they can't block, and they can't... And Matt Ryan's making mistakes. And this was the one team I was really concerned about after the preseason, because normally the preseason, you can kind of just erase it from your memory. You don't really need much of it. But the O-line was so bad. The O-line, the O-line starters were not doing a good job of blocking second and third string players in the preseason. And you saw Gus Bradley leaving Matt Ryan in, taking extra hits in the preseason because he just thought, man, you guys have got to you know power through this. If you can't stop third stringers, what are you going to do in the regular season? And it has not gotten better. And Matt Ryan is not used to having this poor protection. But Chris Lindberg is out, and the O-line is just not very good in general. And other than a really lucky win at home in the Dome uh, against Philly when half of Philly's team got hurt, you haven't seen the Atlanta Falcons have one good performance. And they've lost all other games. And our buddy Greg said it best this week, let's just bet against the Falcons until they actually win a game. And it's, I, a good, I, it's a good thing. And yeah. uh, I, you know, in Arizona, they finally, they had the tie in week one, then they had some close ones, and then they finally broke through and got a win this past week. And now I think they know that they can win and hopefully they can do it. Plus they're at home. And, uh, and I mean, they've, if they do have one good thing, I, I feel bad they're missing Patrick Peterson still, cause he would yeah. really have helped a lot in these games. They could have had some more wins with him there, but at least they still do have 
Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs rushing the quarterback with no one to block them. So I, I have to think Arizona is going to do well in this game. Tennessee and Denver uh, is where we're going next. Um, you know my feelings about the Tennessee franchise in general. Not a big fan. Um, had a kicker last week that I think missed four field goals and got cut. Nice. Uh, welcome to life, buddy. Um, Denver coming off again, their first win of the year last week in Los Angeles, beat the Chargers in LA. Um, a lot of problems in Denver. Not a big fan of the tooth. Uh, actually have a buddy that's at this game. He's a big Broncos fan. And because again, I I still believe altitude plays an, an, a a factor in games in Denver because of being at uh, 5,280 feet of altitude, um, I'm going to take the Broncos both ways, and I really don't know why. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Titans both ways because Vic Fangio sucks. He, uh, I, you know, I believed in him this year, and I thought, man, he's going to do so well, and especially when Chicago comes to town, even though they did deserve to win that game. And he just, oh, yeah. he just looks like a confused old man, and I have no faith in them at all, and Denver just doesn't seem to have it together, and Tennessee's a tough, solid team. And I just love the combination of Joe Flacco throwing into that secondary. <laughs> really. I mean, Kevin Byard had a pick last week, and I've been talking about him. And uh, I think he gets another one or two this week. And I think the Tennessee, this is just uh, right up their alley, this game. And uh, I think they'll be... I think they'll be pretty good. I think Denver's real strength is Chris Harris and covering receivers back there. And Tennessee doesn't rely on receivers, like maybe the odd throw to the tight end. But uh, they, they run the ball down your throat. And uh, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. So uh, And uh, 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 Taylor Luan is back now too, which is great. So yeah, I like the Titans both ways here. Let's continue on to... Um... New York. Let's uh, the Dallas Cowboys visit New York. Obviously, they play there once a year when they play the New York Giants. But here they're playing the New York Jets, and it looks like Sam Darnold is going to play this week after coming back from his bout with mononucleosis. It does look like he's going to play. Dallas comes in as seven-point favorites. Dallas have to be a little bit concerned after what happened to them last week in Green uh, against Green Bay. They they almost accumulate 600 yards of offense and still lose and at one point in that game against the Packers they were down 31 to 3 um I didn't bother me one bit um but in this case the Jets are still not 100 percent they're still missing some pieces the biggest piece they're missing to me still is CJ Mosley running their defense he will not play it doesn't look like he'll play this week Having said all that, I think Dallas, this is a perfect game because Dallas next week has a big matchup on Monday night against Philly. They need to get the tracks back on after losing two games in a row. And I just want to make this point to all those millions of Cowboys fans out there that think that they're America's team and all this other bullshit. Here's the thing. You were 3-0 and this year, but you played Mo, Larry, and Curley the first three weeks. And you finally played NFC-caliber opponents the last two weeks. And you lost in a defensive slugfest with the New Orleans Saints. And then you lost an out- offensive shootout with the Green Bay Packers. What is your identity? What is your identity? And, you know, here's the thing that really, I, I can feel my blood pressure rising already. If Zach Prescott, now I know he just came back from the big performance against Green Bay. Congratulations, hoorah, rah. But if you think that you're worth $40 million a year, you need to go back and get that color retuned up 
on your uh, on your degree from Mississippi State because you're a freaking moron. Absolute freaking moron. Okay? You've got a lot of talent. You threw for big numbers against Green Bay. Congratulations. You still lost. And part of the reason you had the big numbers against Green Bay is because you had to become dependent on the pass when you're down 31 to 3. Okay? If you think you're worth $40, you are as dumb and as ugly as the owner of the team that you play for and those two cockamamie moron sons that sit next to you during Cowboys home games. Are we clear now? Dallas sucks. Not a big fan. Chris had them having a terrible season this year. They get off to the 3-0 start, and everybody thinks they're going to another Super Bowl. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Chris and I could get a team together, and we'd be competitive against the first three teams that were on the Cowboys schedule this year. And when they play real competition, they get eaten. They get taken out to lunch. This is a good little little game as they get ready for the meeting next week against another legitimate NFC uh, championship potential team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Can't wait to see that one. But this week I've got the Cowboys both ways just because the Jets are not 100% all there. Yeah, if C.J. Mosley plays in this game, I'm taking the Jets both ways, upset of the week, and without even thinking about it. And this way, I was really tempted to taking them both ways here, but I, I will narrowly take Dallas outright, but I'm definitely taking the Jets with the spread with Darnold back, and uh, I, I feel bad that Mosley's not in this game. But yeah, I mean, who were the first three opponents? The Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins, I think. You got her, bud. Yeah. Like, yeah. Larry Moe and Curley. Unbelievable. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys suck. Yes, and thank you for pointing that out. I said that they were not going to be good this year. And when that's the teams you can beat, good for you. But uh, our, our good buddy, Dakota Prescott, he is not worth $40 million a year. Is and- that his real name? Yeah, that's why it's it's Dak. Prescott I know that. For, for oh, do I call him Zach? I yeah. don't care. Yeah, it's okay. Who cares? Short for Dakota. When you when you when you when you make your next contract, I'll call you by the right yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, his name is Dakota. Oh, Prescott. sorry. And it's okay. Sorry, Mrs. Prescott. <laughs> I like. I, I just think it's funny to call him Dakota Prescott. It sounds sounds like he's a teacher at Oxford or something. <laughs> yeah, we know that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> wait, wait, geez, no, man. he'd have trouble teaching in <laughs> South Central LA. Teacher today, sir. Dakota Prescott. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I got to take the Jets with the spread, and I actually am disappointed with myself for taking Dallas outright. Let's go to the Sunday night game, which is going to be played on that soccer pitch in the ghetto in Los Angeles. Uh, the Chargers play host to the Steelers. The Steelers have already ruled out their backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph, for this week uh, due to the concussion that he... His concussion was so bad last week, I think that... Didn't they have to take his face mask off or something yeah. of his helmet? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then... They truck out the little the little cart to bring him off the field so he doesn't have to walk, and the damn cart stalls. That's good. Um, Pittsburgh, injuries up the kazoo. Um, I don't even know the name of the quarterback they're starting. He was a, uh, a, a tryout guy that showed up at Steelers at the front door at Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and said, can I try out for the team? And now he's the starting quarterback. For the, what, seven-time, six-time champion? Seven-time seven Super Bowl I champion, think. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, five under Bradshaw and two under Roethlisberger. That's seven. Um, the Chargers, they got their own mess of problems. Hopefully another week of practice under the belt will help uh, Melvin Gordon get his stuff together. But Pittsburgh with a third. And, and here's the funny thing. This is another shot of the tooth in Denver. The guy that he wasted... The 20th pick in the draft on a couple of years ago, Paxton Lynch, has just been brought up from the Pittsburgh practice squad to be the backup to this, I don't know, garbage can collector that's going to be the starting quarterback on Sunday night for the 
Steelers. Um, for just the fear, fear, just for the fear on the fear base, sheer basis that the game is being played in Los Angeles, I'm taking the Chargers both ways. That's the only reason. Uh, I have no other. I mean, Phillip Rivers is not playing very well. The best running back they have right now is the guy Eckert, I think is his yeah, name. Eckler. Eckler. He's their best running back. They got to use him more. Obviously, Melvin Gordon isn't quite in game shape yet. Their defense has not been as dominant as I thought. We haven't heard the names Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram very much in regard to the San Diego Chargers, and they'll still always be the San Diego Chargers to me, folks. I don't give a damn. Um, but just by sure happenstance, I'm taking the Chargers both ways. Six and a half is the spread, by the way. Well, you said you're taking them because they're at home, but I literally, no exaggeration at all, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will have 80% of the fans there. Mm-hmm. I really do, because you want to talk about a team right. that does travel well, Right. we can talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, that is going to be a home game for the Steelers as far as I'm concerned. And yes, the young man's name is Devlin Hodges. Devlin Hodges. Better write that down. That, that's his name. And uh, I love the matchup of that non-existent uh, blocking unit for the Chargers against that excellent defense for the Steelers. I feel bad for the Steelers. TJ Watt has played great. Every part of that defense has played great. They're generating turnovers. They're doing everything right. And they're not getting rewarded for it. And I feel bad for them. They should have beaten the Niners. They should have won uh, last week for sure. I had a lot of problems with that game. But last week I took the Steelers as my upset of the week with no regrets. They absolutely deserved to win that game. That was a joke on multiple levels. And I'm taking them again as my upset of the week here. I'm taking them both ways. And I think even with a third string quarterback, I think they can make it happen here. The Chargers lost their center. They already had a disaster of an O-line. They lost their center, Mike Pouncey, for the year with a neck injury. Uh, they've got nothing left. Like, there's nobody to block poor Philip Rivers, and you've made the point that you think Rivers is slowing down here in his old age. Well, he is 38 or 39, and, you know, he has... I would say he's taken he's taken a lot of hits for the team over his years in San Diego slash Los Angeles. Yeah, well, uh, hit it, baby, one more time. Let's get nine <laughs> kids out there, Phil. See how it's going. And, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh both ways. Um, oh, just by the way, for you folks that are thinking about traveling to the Southland in three weeks when the Packers play in the in the uh, soccer pitch. It was reported this week in uh, the Green Bay Press-Gazette that all the seats have already been sold for that game. I bet they're not Charger fans. They're ain't Charger them. fans. No, there's a bunch of charters going out from Green Bay to Los Angeles, and uh, those seats have been taken by members of the Green and Gold family known as the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Talking about those Packers, they will end the week, the uh, Monday night game. ESPN, Joe Tessitore and uh, Booger McFarland. Can't stand that name. I can't believe they allow that. I can't believe they allow allow that. Booger McFarland. Jesus, that bothers me. Like, why not just call him ass fucker? Well, yeah. Like, Uh, how how far do you want to take it? Yeah, absolutely. Booger. Come on. That's disgusting. Dripping Dick McFarland. There's the open for this episode right there. About that, yeah. Dripping Dick McFarlane. We've had a few good ones. We've had some great ones. I love those new opens. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit, I just got to throw this at you, folks. 
Detroit did not win a game in Green Bay between the years 1995 and 2016. They lost 21 consecutive times. It was like 91 and 26. Well, it's 21 years, and 16 was the last time. 16 is when the the streak was broken. So if you go back 21 years, my math is not my strong suit, but I have it as 1995. I thought it was 1991 as as well, but then that makes it 25 years, and it wasn't. The, The streak was 21 years in a row of the Lions losing at Lambeau. Since that streak was broken in 2017 and 2018, the Lions have won four in a row. The difference being, the biggest thing is Aaron Rodgers has not seen the field in three of those games. So that has something to do with it. And mm-hmm. Two of those losses came to that quarterbacking legend, Deshaun Kaiser, mm-hmm. um, who's now on the practice squad in Oakland. Good for him. Perfect place. Um, Detroit will not have Mike Daniels this week. And I think that was going to be a big game for him coming back to Lambeau Field, but he's out with a foot injury. Um, Detroit, again, has won four in a row in this series. I think the Packers really need to reestablish who is the boss. And if the Packers can do what I think that they're going to do, they're going to have a two-game division lead over everybody in the division, and we're only six weeks into the season. That would be a hell of a way to start the season for the Packers. I think the Packers have to teach the Lions a little lesson that they're getting better, but they're still not good enough to win five in a row against the Packers, especially if Rodgers makes it the whole way. Packers, 99.9% for sure, will not have Devontae Adams. We're pretty well set in telling you that. Uh, We won last week with only four passes thrown or four passes completed to a wide receiver. So that has to improve. But if we can get another performance like we got Last week out of Aaron Jones, we will be fine. Packers come into this one as four-point favorites, and I have them, obviously, both ways. Detroit's a tough team, and they've had two weeks to prepare, plus the extra day. So uh, I'm going to take the Packers outright, but the Lions against the spread. I think this will be a really intense, tight game down to the wire, honestly. Devontae Adams out, and uh, Aaron Rodgers popped up with a knee injury yesterday as well on the injury report so hopefully he's okay don't like to see that it is at Lambeau which certainly helps the Packers so yeah I think it's going to be a really close game maybe the Packers pull it out right at the end but I'm not super confident I could absolutely see the Lions winning this game which uh, which I hate to say because I kind of like when teams have that really strong home field advantage you know years where you just know the Packers are at home or the Saints are at home or even the Seahawks are at home you just know they're going to win the game or even like the, for a few years there, uh, even a few years ago, uh, during that five uh, consecutive uh, playoff appearances for the Bengals, if the Bengals played at home in a 1 p.m. Eastern start in the first wave of games, they won I don't know how many in a row, and you just knew they were going to win that. And uh, I, I think it's neat when you have, especially as a better, when you have that kind of certainty. So uh, I'd love to see the Packers really reestablish that Lambo dominance. Yeah. I would love to see that, but uh, I don't know if that happens in this game. Uh, so I'll just uh, I'll just say it's going to be a close one. I'm still disappointed with the play calls by Matt Lafleur from inside I the am five yards. Not yard. sold on him at all. Well, and within the last you know that game against Philly, we should be undefeated at home this year. And I'm a yeah. Packer fan. We all know that, but the play calls were absurd. That last when they got twice within the five yard line and got nothing. Um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem there, but again, uh, the number is four and I don't know the last time in this series, the Packers and the Lions have been playing since the Lions were known as the Portsmouth something. I can't remember there, but they've been playing almost as long as the Packers and the, and the Bears have been playing 
and the Packers have never gone through a series or during this series, they've never gone through a run where they've lost five games in a row to the Portsmouth slash Detroit Lions. So we were need they to... the, were they the Portsmouth or the Fort Smith? It was one of those, I think, wasn't Portsmouth, it? maybe that's I think or Port, yeah, one of the two. Whatever. One of the two. But anyway, um they in this series, the long the longevity of this series, the Packers have never lost five games in a row to the Detroit Lions organization. And I hope that, and I'm betting that that streak is uh, terminated on Monday. We've got to run on this 400. Oh, last thing. Yeah, go ahead. I know it's a long episode here, but I did want to just get this in here. I wanted to say congratulations to the Edmonton Oilers for winning 4-1 to over the Rangers. And they were down one nothing in that game, which means that the Edmonton Oilers have become the first team in NHL history to win their first five games and have all five be comeback victories. They were the they were only the third team to ever have four comeback victories to start a season. They are now the only team to ever have five comeback victories to start a season. They have won four to one. They are now five and oh, first in the Pacific, first in the West, and one of the only undefeated teams uh, in the league. The Rangers were undefeated, but they're only at 2-0. They've got a weird schedule where they don't play much for the first little while in the season. But uh, overall in the league, we have the Carolina Hurricanes and the Oilers at 5-0. and They're the only uh, undefeated teams that have played at least uh, that many games. So congratulations to the Oilers. I wanted, you know, when we did our preview, I wanted to really be a lot stronger on the Oilers, but I've, I've been burned so many times, but I thought I could really see these depth players and everything that they've got paying off and Holland and Tippett. And uh, so far it's looking really great. And I'm just over the moon at how everything is, is working so well for the new regime. I do want to thank you for taking something that I was going to talk about later in the week uh, on Unscripted. <laughs> You've taken it right out of the uh, equation, so now I've got to Scooby-Doo along a little bit more. But uh, congratulations, and we will talk later this week about uh, the Milan-Lucic-James Neal trade oh, we can and talk how, about well, that. <laughs> how well that's working. <laughs> i got to say we this. Talk about that. i, I got to say this. Neal has scored as many goals as... Many times as I've seen Lucic in the penalty box so far for the Calgary Flames. Lucic or Neil and Neil didn't even score today, but he already well, he should get fired then. But through his first four games, he has seven goals, the same yeah. amount he got all last year. I know in sixty-three games last year, yeah. sixty-three games last year with the Calgary Flames, he had seven goals. This year, he's played five games with the Edmonton Oilers. He scored seven goals, and he's already had this year earlier this week on that road trip. He had a four-goal game against the New York Islanders. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's talk about that later because I'm going to, I have a whole bunch of things to say about that little munchkin that plays center for the local team too. So let's, let's talk about that later. We've got to run on this 404th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for participating and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen until next time.